0: Well, let's talk about hope. Let's talk about hope. What have you hoped for in your life? At seven years of age, I hope for this. On the screen. A Mustang with a banana seat. Anybody have one of those? Wow. Just. Just look around who's got their hands up. Those are the cool people. I'm telling you right now. Uh, it, that, it was just at that age, mid 70s. I mean, there could not be a cooler bike than that. It was awesome. My friend Mark Clawson had one and I'm not sure if he was cool because he had the bike or if he had the bike because he's cool, but he's still cool. 40 years later, um, and I'm sure it's because of the Mustang bike. Here's what I got instead. It was very much like that. Uh, I think it did have the rack on the back. It was, um, it was the very sensible, it was a sensible bike, uh, practical, functional, um, big enough. Okay, read between the lines. It was big enough for a second grader to grow into. <laughs> you know what that means? Yeah, it's too big. And I was supposed to be excited about that. It's funny. It's, I did not do this intentionally, but it did somehow get left behind my dad's pickup truck. I honestly wasn't in purpose, but boy, that was one of the best days of my childhood. (laughs) You know, when you're when your hopes are not met, you're disappointed and you remember it for a long time. I mean, I have forgiven, but I have not forgotten. (laughs) Well, what is hope? What is hope? Hope is the promise or anticipation of something better yet to be. You might hope for a child or a grandchild or a spouse, perhaps, or a job or a raise at your job. Maybe you hope for acceptance to a good college, right? Or you're, you're just hoping for a good summer. Um, the grads up here that we just, we just met today, they're full of hope for a future that matters, uh, some of some of your high hopes have not been met, and and that's painful for you. For you, talking about hope even might might even be difficult today. But I would, and if that's the case, I would just encourage you to seek help and healing. The Bible has a lot to say about hope. In the New Testament, uh, the the Greek word that's translated hope pops up more than fifty times. Biblical hope is stronger than 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 just hope, you know, wishful thinking. It's greater than a desire for material possessions or successful relationships or a productive career. Biblical hope is a confident assurance of a worthwhile future in Christ. Biblical hope is a confident assurance of a worthwhile future in Christ Jesus. And in this keyword series, we've already looked at love, we've looked at faith, Last week, we talked about freedom on Pentecost Sunday, essential terms of our faith. And today we're going to examine hope. We're going to read about it in one particular passage, Romans 5, Romans 5, chapter, I mean, chapter 5, verse 1. And if you're reading from the New International, you'll actually see it come out a little bit more. But I read from the New Living Translation, Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 1. And as you find that, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He's been building a case that we're saved, not by works, not by the law, but saved by grace through our faith in what Jesus has done. So he writes this in Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Verse three, we can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance, develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Verse six. And when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Verse 10, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. That's good news. Thank the Lord for his word. Let's take a seat together. To live a life that matters, one needs hope and a hope found only in Christ Jesus. A hopeful person is confident, attractive. We like being around hopeful people. Um, And it's good, but there's a paradox to that because to lay hold of hope, I have to admit my needs. In a sense, I have to admit that I'm hopeless to take hold of God's hope. You see it there in verse six. He writes, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came and died for us. I I can't experience Christ's hope until I commit that I'm hopeless without him. I'd say it this way, that hope has a prerequisite. Hope's prerequisite is honesty. Being honest about my condition before him. It's the backward secret of the Christian life. I'm strong when I accept that I'm weak. I'm confident when I know that I'm nothing. I have assurance when I recognize that I'm hopeless in my flesh. I'm utterly helpless. And when I'm honest about that, I'm ready for hope. It's like watching a toddler or a baby uh, trying to accomplish a task for which they have not yet developed the motors the fine motor skills. They sit in their high chair and they've got a toy and they can't quite get it to work right. And they get mad and they just. Start smashing on the, the high chair table and and they're 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 frustrated and they're angry. And, and they, they feel hopeless and you try to help them. And if they're not ready to accept your help, it gets worse. They they throw it across the room. They get upset. Right. Until that little toddler can accept your rescue and your 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 teaching. They'll continue in the despair of not being able to do what they're trying to do. And yet, if they can admit their helplessness. They accept help. They gain new hope and they're, they're developing skills and what you're teaching them. It's no different in your life or mine. We've got to be honest about our own utter helplessness to receive God's, in order to receive God's great hope. In a practical sense, we watch for signs or clues that, that lead us to hope. Right? For example, when, when we see snow on the mountains, Next winter, and I'm saying that in faith, that we will see snow on the mountains next winter, we'll be hopeful that the drought's coming to an end. If your boss gives you a good review, you're hopeful for that raise. Right. You teenage girls, if that boy just lingers a little bit at the classroom door when class is dismissed. Right. There's a little hopefulness that he noticed you and maybe he's interested just a little. You watch for clues. Indications. Well, biblical hope is no different. God has given you signs, symptoms, indications, reasons for hope. And in this Romans 5 passage, there's at least six reasons for hope. We want to look at those. Going back to verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. Now, if you're reading the New International Version or ESV uh, version of the Bible, it'll say, use the word Justified. Justified, Since we've been justified by faith, that's a theological term and it's your first reason for hope. Justification. It's the first reason. What does justification mean? Well, it means to be made right or or brought into alignment. We've been justified. We've been made right with God. Look at the margins in your Bible. If I look in the margins of my Bible, up and down the the sides of the column. Right. See how the text lines up so nicely. We say that's justified. It's in it's in alignment. It, it, It all measures nicely. Each line's been stretched or shrunk just a little so that you have that visually pleasing look down the sides of your pages. It's made right in your sight. That's what, that's what God has done by your faith in Jesus Christ. He's brought you into proper alignment. You're justified. You're in right standing with God. And that gives you reason for hope. Because if God lines you up correctly, it's one of the, one of the ways you know you can trust Him for salvation. Your justification sets up also your next reason for hope. Paul writes it this way. Since we've been made right... In God's sight, by faith, verse one, we have peace with God. That's your second reason to to have hope. You've got peace. Think about your relationships for a moment. The people around your co-workers, neighbors, friends, family members. Right. If you have a peaceful relationship with someone, you don't fear how you're going to be treated. If you've got a peaceful relationship and you send a text message to your friend and it's a peaceful. You don't worry about that text message getting misinterpreted by what you say. Right. But if you're in a little bit of a conflicted situation, if there's some turmoil or tension in a relationship, if you're not at peace with somebody, you think, man, I'm not even going to send that text because I just know they're going to misinterpret it. There's there's this problem there. And yet, if you're at peace with somebody, you have hope with them because you anticipate that things are going to go well, that there's going to be a future in your friendship. When there's a lack of peace. You feel pretty hopeless, whether it's a co-worker or even a spouse. Peace is a reason for hope. And if you're at peace with God, you know your relationships are full. You know, you know if you're at peace with God, you know your relationship with God is full of promise for the future. And that peace, again, is not based on what you've done, but what on what Christ accomplished. That's why it's by faith. I want you to be at peace in all your relationships. But if you're not at peace with God, that's the first one to take care of. You need to do that. We're going to call the third reason for hope favor, favor. That's a little bit that word isn't quite used there. So let me explain how we got there. The third reason for hope verses two and five and nine. You see it first in verse two. He says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege Again, if you're an NIV or ESV, it's going to say grace by which you now stand. Undeserved favor. That's what grace is. You didn't earn it. It's given to you. It's his his kindness. It's his favor toward you. See it again in verse 5. Right? This hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given the Holy Spirit. The sense of giving to us of generosity from God. That's his favor toward you. See it again in verse nine, since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us. There's an overwhelming sense of generosity from God. That's favor toward you. Think back to your school days for a moment. For some of you, that's easy. Others, not so much. But can you remember any students that fit the description of the teacher's pet? Remember that person? They could get away with just about anything. They never got picked on by the teacher. They never got humiliated in class. Right? They got the special little assignments of taking stuff to the office for the teacher. And man, we'd say they enjoyed the teacher's undeserved kindness. That teacher's favor. Maybe you were that person. And if you were, we now hereby collectively forgive you. For being so annoying. <laughs> but let me say this. If you were that teacher's pet, right? The favor you experienced shielded you or protected you from wrath. A teacher could never get mad at you because you're just so lovable. You're just so sweet, so favorite, right? You could hope for a better future because of that favor. Favor is a reason for hope. And you and I need to be reminded that we have favor, undeserved kindness, grace from God through Christ. And as verse two says, we stand by grace, by that undeserved kindness. You and I actually look forward to the glory of God. New Living says, you know, sharing in the glory. NIV says, you know, rejoicing in the hope of glory, rejoicing in the hope of glory. Because of grace. Look, we don't think much about that as as people living under the new covenant. But when you think about the glory of God, you look back into the Old Testament when the Israelite people were first encountering the manifest presence of God's glory. It was terrifying. They did not want to be exposed to God's glory. It, it ruined them. It was it was overwhelming. It, was, it brought dread to their lives. And now Paul says, no, we actually look forward to being part of the glory of God. We anticipate it. Why? Because you've been shielded, you've been wrapped by the undeserved kindness, the, the grace, the favor of God in Christ Jesus. It's amazing. Three more reasons for hope in this passage. Fourth one is strength. Look at verses three and four. He says, "We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials." for we know they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation the abbreviation there would be tech t e c h right trials endurance character hope trials endurance character hope trials don't necessarily produce endurance it's tempting to escape when you're in a hard time Right. You know, the bumper sticker saying, right, when the when the going gets tough, the tough. No, no, the tough go shopping. I think that's what I've seen. Or maybe it's that when the going gets tough, the tough go drinking or the tough go yelling or hiding or working or gambling or something. To escape. But if you let trials guide you to endurance, that endurance deepens your character and a person of character is a person of quality, of, of value, of worth, and they can see past. A person of character sees past problems. They, over, they look over the problem. They say, I know I'm in a difficult time, but I know this is not going to be forever. And so, therefore, they're hopeful. I was replacing a couple of rotten fence posts in my yard last week. This is a wonderful job. And uh, I was hammering away on this steel bar to kind of pry boards loose and stuff. And and I was just thinking, man, that, the steel on this pry bar is remarkably strong. This is like I can hit this as hard as I want. And it just holds up. No problem. And um, I, I was just reminded to you know, toughen up that steel. It's It would be tempered. It would be treated with heat and pressure so as to strengthen it. Well, that's might be something you're going through. Maybe you're being tempered right now through through pressure, through intensity, through heat. And and it seems like overwhelming. And yet God is giving you the opportunity to be strengthened for his glory. Don't reject God's work in your life because it's another reason for hope. Let's carry on into verse 5. We hope because of love. That's a reason for hope. Verse five says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And then if you go down to verse eight, he says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. If anything can inspire hope, it's got to be love. I mean, it can inspire a lot of crazy antics as well. You know, remember how romantic you used to be, guys? Right, or when you first fell in love, the money you'd spend, the miles you'd drive. Right, this summer you're probably going to attend a, may, may well attend a wedding ceremony or two, and you know that couple is going to stand before you and make those vows because of the love they've received from each other, which has inspired them to have hope for a, for a future together. Love gives you reason for hope, and all the more with God's love. Which is complete and perfect. And the proof of God's love is first that Jesus died for us while it was obvious we didn't deserve it. And second, that the Holy Spirit fills your life with God's love. He, here, it's one, here's one indication of whether or not the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. If you are sure of God's love for you and able to give that love to others. That's a great indication of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's a, that's a more solid indication even than exercising some of the more dramatic gifts, as wonderful as they are, prophecy in tongues and tongues and so on. But if you are able to be aware of God's love for you and able to pass that to others, it's a great indication the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. The sixth reason for hope. It's a great reason. Oh, this one's good. Friendship. Friendship. You see it in verses 10, 11 in particular, but also verse 9 leading into that. a Friendship with God gives you hope. I was chatting with uh, one of my neighbors yesterday and they sold their house and they bought a new one actually very near to Bethany Church. So we're going to keep working on them and uh, they're going to be moving soon. And he mentioned that, you know, when they might move. And I jokingly said, I'm not going to help you move. And I was quite serious. I, I was only half joking, I'll be honest. Um, my favorite bumper sticker in the world for people who have pickup trucks says, yes, this is my truck, and no, I won't help you move. That's my favorite bumper sticker in the world. So um, I said, no, I, I'm not going to help you move. And he just, he kind of laughed and ignored my statement. He says, you know, I'll, um, he says, oh, you'll help. I'll just let you know exactly when. wait, what What just happened here? Well, our friendship gives him hope that I will help him in the awful task of moving, that I'll make myself available to him. That's what friendship does. It gives hope. Like, oh, no, I can count on Brian, regardless of what he says. God not only justified you, he brought you peace, he led you into favor, he gives you strength and love, and now he's become your friend. He doesn't just give you eternal life. It's eternal life with friendship and without condemnation. He doesn't just take you from the position of a rebel and an enemy of God to some sort of neutral position. It's freedom from condemnation. It's a friendship with God. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. Imagine that a police officer is chasing down a, a, a known criminal. And he goes after them. And in the process of running away, the criminal falls and, 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 and receives a life-threatening injury. And what does the police officer do? Does the police officer just finish him off right there? No. Not supposed to. Right? The police officer applies first aid, calls 911, gets an ambulance there. Right? The police officer rescues him. The police officer is that, that criminal's salvation. He saves his life. Why? So he can face judgment and condemnation. Do you see what what's going on there? Right? That's salvation without justification. But God goes way further than that. God rescues you from eternal death through the blood of Jesus, and spares you God's condemnation through the resurrection of Christ Jesus. He takes you from enemy status, a friendship status. You're a friend of God's when you have faith in Jesus, and that new status is reason for hope. You're assured that the death of Jesus forgives you, and the life of Jesus, now living in you, gives you hope for a meaningful life, and friendship, and future with God. Now tell me that isn't good news. So consider what God has done for your salvation. Resulting in your justification. He supplies you peace. He offers you favor. He fills you with love. He strengthens you in trial. And he extends his friendship. God has gone to such extreme lengths to get to you. You know he can be counted on. To finish what he started, your trust in Jesus grants you salvation and the hope you need to look forward to the future. That's good news. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. We're going to sing one last song together. And it's just a true statement this song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. It's not my effort, it's not your effort. It's not because you're so good looking or so smart or so clever because you grew up in church. None of that counts for anything as 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 smart and good looking as you all are. It's the work of Christ Jesus on the cross. Let's stand together as we close in prayer. As we pray, I'm going to give you a couple of ways to to respond. And um, so just just open your heart to what God wants to do in your life right now. Father, I thank you for this good message of hope that, that Paul's delivered to us, that we can count on you, that you can be trusted, that you've proven yourself by the lengths you went to to rescue us and to set us free from condemnation. And we say right now, Lord God, that we're counting on you. We don't depend on ourselves. There's nothing in our, in our, own, in our own effort or nothing in our own being, our own flesh that's, that, that qualifies us. It's only the blood of Christ, and we thank you for that. We just want to give you praise and say we just we just lay ourselves before you and we want to be just open buckets to receive what you have today. But not just a bucket with a lid on it. We want to we want to have a spout that pours that out to others as well. And church, as we're standing here, I just I would challenge you. You may be somebody who walked with Jesus for years, days, months, decades. I don't know. But I would encourage you to today to think about, are you filled with hope? And if not, what would it take for you to say, God, today I want to receive what you have. I want to receive your strength. I, I, I thank you for justification. Fill me with your love so that you can be filled with hope. If you're at a place today of feeling hopeless, of feeling despair, I want you to hear the news that God loves you and has hope for you. There's reasons for you to have hope and it starts with His justification and His peace in your life. I want you just to, to lay hold of that, to receive that today. And then there may be someone here today, maybe you're somebody who's, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You don't know what that means, really. But you know today's the day you want to respond. You want to have hope in your life. And it's your desire to to yield your life to... Fully surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, in your own way, you could pray a simple prayer. Something like, Jesus, I know you died for my sin. I trust you now to forgive me and make me right with God. And if you'll pray a little prayer like that in your own way and tell somebody about it, there's a promise that you will be saved. It's the confessing in your mouth and the believing in your heart that makes you saved. So, When you believe that in your heart and you come out and you tell somebody, I'm trusting in Jesus Christ. The Bible promises you will be saved. It's such good news for you. So, Lord God, we just invite you into this place to to touch each life right now. Mine included, Lord God. We need more of your hope. We want to walk in all those good things you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.